0: Yesterday, we finished up a message called Living Well in an Evil World. To do that, we need the infilling of the Holy Spirit, as we'll see next. Hi there, and again, welcome. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Well, today we continue with our view of Ephesians chapter 5 is in view, necessity of being filled with the Spirit. You know, if we are to live a successful life, spiritually speaking, as Christians, it is incumbent upon us to have the filling of the Holy Spirit. We'll find out what that means and how that's applied today and tomorrow here on Truth For Today. Join us, won't you? With today's broadcast, once again, here's Pastor Phil Howard. Put in the theme, the
1: Holy Spirit is the means of living the Christian life as God instructed us. The Christian life is not just difficult at times. It is impossible except for divine enablement. This enablement is the Holy Spirit's power. As you go through chapter 4 and he tells you, don't sin in your anger, stop stealing, stop bad uh, conversation. And I tell you, if you don't think you really need it, he's going to start messing with your marriage next. And you're going to really need spirit filling. Then he's going to tell you how to raise kids like God wants to. And uh, if you don't think you need it, your kids really need it when you're the leader. And then he's going to deal with slaves and masters. If you don't think a slave needed spirit filling to have a right attitude toward a master... This is going to be pivotal to the rest that he says in chapter 5 through 6. Three relationships he's going to pick up. Marriage, husband, wife, the home, children, parents, and then slave masters is going to come out of this. But the imperatives of the New Testament are impossible to keep apart from spirit enablement. The first and foremost is this. Love one another. By this shall all men know you are my disciples. I used to have a prof in school said, the only commandment for the New Testament believer is fulfilled in one commandment, the greatest. You shall love one another. And if you fulfill that, it will keep you from all negative behavior towards others. I can't lie while I'm loving you. I can't steal something you have while I'm loving you. I can't gossip about you if I'm loving you. But it takes spirit enablement, spirit filling. What's interesting about spirit filling is it's commanded to us. The other works of the spirit are automatic. You are automatically indwelt by the spirit when you put faith in Christ. You are automatically baptized into the body of Christ. But this work of the Spirit is a command to us. Not all believers necessarily are Spirit-controlled. You have to meet certain conditions for this ministry of the Spirit to be taking place in you. It's not automatic. So to walk as children of wisdom, to walk as children of the light, to walk in a worthy manner, he comes to this command. Two imperatives, the one's negative. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Basically, a wasted life. The prodigal wasted his substance, and that's the word. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Terrible translation, but it's translated the way it is. The word filled misleads us. The E-D on it makes it sound like uh, once for all, but it's be letting yourselves be filled by the Spirit continuously. Be letting yourselves be filled, and be letting yourselves reflects the grammar too. It's a continuous filling. I grew up, we used to ask people, when did you get the Spirit? Or when did you get the baptism? Or when did you get filled with the Spirit? And it was always related to an experience back here. Well, back here in 1955, This is not what he's saying. Be getting yourselves continuously filled with the Spirit. I am commanding you. I am not asking you. This is as great a commandment as thou shalt not commit adultery. Or you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's a command, not a request of the believer. It's not optional, it's mandatory. The greatest sin, maybe in your life, is something that's hindering the Spirit from filling you at this very moment. That leads to the other issues. But are we a people continuously operating under the control and influence of the Holy Spirit? That's what he's saying. Let's look at it. It's commanded. And we take that from the imperative of the Greek it's the language of command, not request. Not indicative, that's a condition of fact. But when you use an imperative, you're commanding. And so he's telling them, don't get drunk with wine. The Bible all over the place forbids drunkenness of any kind. If you're drinking and you're getting drunk, quit it. Stop it. New Testament people drank a wine that was made up of 2.5% alcohol. A little bit different than Jack Daniel's. A little bit different than the wines we drink out of Napa Valley. You look at the alcoholic content. They enrich it with alcohol. The common alcohol of the drinking class, you had to stay a long time over it to get drunk. So he's saying, cut out drunkenness. And the Greeks called, they had a goddess named Dionysus, which was the goddess of drunkenness. The Romans named it Bacchus. I went to a temple built to Bacchus in Lebanon at Baalbek, dedicated to the gods, Bacchus. Get drunk and have all the sex you can and in that you will be worshiping the gods. Drunkenness and immorality were the religion, the religious atmosphere because they said you had to get into a state of ecstasy to really worship the gods and they use sex and alcohol to do it. Don't get drunk. If you get drunk it's wrong. You don't have the liberty as a believer to ever get drunk. You may say I can drink wine. I will leave that to you. But he's prohibiting, don't do this. Right in the city of Ephesus, common practice. But then he comes to a positive command. And I believe he's using it by contrast and comparison. But be getting yourselves filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, spirit filling is to be continuous, beginning, this is an ongoing thing. It will never be a once for all experience. Say, well, I was filled with the spirit yesterday. Yes, are you filled right now? That's always the question. When we ask, are you spirit filled? The question is for right now, it's not yesterday. And so he's saying, beginning yourselves And by the way, the fact that he makes it a command shows it's not an experience. It's something you do. Uh, The Spirit showed up on the day of Pentecost. They didn't have anything to do with it. He just shows up. When he regenerated you, he just shows up. He did it. He did the work. But here, it's a command because you have something to do with it happening. Your will is involved in obeying this command. And spirit filling is through cooperation. In the Greek, it's a passive voice. And that means you can't fill yourself. The spirit himself is the one that does the filling and you are just receiving it. And so it's a cooperation. How, what can you do? How can you get yourself under the spirit's filling influence? And I put down several things, one, He said, we are a people whose mindset is to be on the Spirit. Romans 5. So you set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And he saved you in order that you may do that. I see in Romans 6, he tells me that I am to reckon myself to be alive to God the Father. Romans 6.11. So that's a command. I am to be setting my affections on things above and counting on the fact that I am alive to the Father, we would call this pay attention to God the Father all the time. Keep an open line towards heaven. You know, your mind is at least quadrophonic. You probably could be thinking on four things at the same time. If this was a Super Bowl Sunday, you'd be thinking about the game, thinking about how you ought to balance your checkbook, thinking what you're going to do on Monday, and wondering about the kids, and hope we hope one channel is on the sermon. Your wife knows it. Yeah? Are you hearing me? Yes. And she knows you're on four other channels. But you've got a weak wavelength to hear her say, empty the trash. When it is, come to dinner, it's all channels are on one at that time. That's our ability. So in the Christian life, you're always to keep a channel on God the Father. And while you're doing that, God sees in you, I'm available. Yielding your body to Him. It's an attitude. And Romans repeats it. Yield your body. Present your body to God. And it's just a, a standing attitude. And God knows when you take it to yourself, my body's not available. He knows when its open arms are closed. And so it's a mindset, it's an attitude of dependence, reliance, probably the best word for it is you're walking by faith. You're walking by trust and reliance on God for his power and to do his will. I believe that would be the overall attitude that frees the spirit to do his work of filling you. Now when we quit walking by faith, unbelief has stepped in or doubt or disobedience, well then we grieve the Spirit. The Spirit is uh, hindered from doing His filling ministry. So I would say to you, set your mind on Him, act alive, be yielding your members to Him, yet you're at God's divine disposal anytime. An attitude of faith, not complicated. You don't beg for it, you just make yourself available to it. And when that availability's there, God fills, a marvelous thing. And so we have terms to meet. It's an interesting thing that the term spirit filling is a plural. And he's saying this way, we make everything so individual. He's saying, be filled with the spirit church at Ephesus. He'd be saying to us, corporately be filled with the spirit. All of us be under his control. I don't know of anything any more dangerous than going to a church where the majority are not living under the influence of the Spirit. It's scary. I'll show you what happens. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as carnal. Worldly, not the right word. It's fleshly or carnal. Like mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still carnal or fleshly, acting out of the flesh, standing for the sin nature in us, sinful deeds of the body. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not carnal? Are you not acting like mere men? Can brothers act like mere men? They did. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not acting like mere natural men, is the idea, sinful men? And he goes on to tell them that your faith wasn't built on Paul nor Apollos. This party spirit you're into, this jealousy, this envy. And as he develops the book, You find out they're immoral in chapter 5. They're suing one another in chapter 6. Chapter 7, they're practicing immorality. Chapter 8 through 10, they're stumbling one another over Christian liberty. Chapter 11, they're getting drunk at the Lord's Supper and God's killing people. They're fighting over gifts in chapters 12 through 14. He has to straighten them out on the resurrection in chapter 15. And chapter 16, he begins to commend some of the brethren. A church is a dangerous place at times. People get into adultery. They get into all kinds of sin. You have to do church discipline. You get into jealousies, rivalry, uh, the scuttlebutt, an undertow of gossip. You find it. what, What causes that? How can it be that brothers or sisters could ever act such ways? Because you have in you still the residue of a sin nature. I don't believe it's the dominant nature, but it's there. We haven't got rid of it yet. It's like a bad tooth ready to be extracted. And it will be extracted when you are raptured or die. But in the meantime, you've got all the capabilities of being a cranky old saint going to heaven. Hallelujah. Have you ever met any cranky saints? Cranky. And then they die. I love Jesus with all my heart. I just can't stand you. Move over. The sweetness of Jesus is not seen many times in his people. It's impossible without the Spirit controlling you. You've got every potential of being a crabby old saint. And there's nothing like living with a crabby old saint. Just take a moment for prayer. You can talk to your wife at this moment if you want. We all know who are we lying to. We have that potential. And in church life, Church life can be a bunch of babies wanting this one to be first, this one first. That's why I think carnal churches like to vote a lot. They're always into party spirit. They're always running on popularity contests. It just feeds that nature in them. Rivalry, disagreements, and uh, just hard to get along with. And just kind of think, well, I'm getting older. What's that got to do with your temperament? That's no excuse for unchristlike like temperament. That's just, you're not yielding to the spirit. Well, spirit-filling, this is a little too convicting, but spirit-filling, you know, let, let me say this. Well, the pastor had better be spirit-filled. That's why half these churches are always firing the pastor. As long as the deacons can stay carnal, you can't lead a church either. Or the elders, you know, we got three spirit-filled and the rest are carnal. What do you think the church looks like? It looks like carnal Christians. It looks like church politics. You never heard of church politics probably. Good. It abounds in many a church. Where Christ is not preeminent, the word is not the authority, and the spirit is not in charge. They operated according to the natural man. And many churches are just one step from being a club. You got to feel something different in a Bible believing Christian church. The spirit is to be in charge of what we do. He'll even make you ask for forgiveness. He'll even make you admit you're wrong Sometimes You might even submit. That would be a quasi miracle, but he's the one that does it. He goes on. Spirit filling is living under his control. Uh, I used to, as a boy, I didn't understand what spirit filling. I just thought it was you filled the container full of liquid. And we used to think, we'd ask people, are you full of the spirit? And it finally hit me one day in a theology class, the spirit is a person. And so does that mean you just got a leg of the spirit in you? I've only got a leg in me. How much of the spirit is in you? Three of you say all. What did the rest say? I said, how much of the spirit do you have? It's a little bit better. Third try. How much of the spirit do you have as a believer? Ah. So all are filled with the spirit? No. You can have him in you, but does it mean he's in control? So you ask the question, how much of you does he have? Spirit filling is talking about living under the influence or control of another person. And it's arranged that you give him permission because he never forces his control on you. You give permission. I often say God is not a cosmic rapist. He does not force himself on his people. He seeks permission. But spirit filling is used about three different ways in the New Testament. It was used of filling a sail with wind. It was used that way in Peter, to fill the sails and bear it along. It was used of salt that permeated meat and preserved it. So it was used of permeation. And then it was used of total control. Sorrow filled their heart. When sorrow fills the heart, that emotion is controlling you, as it were. Fear, and I give you the passages, fear filled their heart. Anger filled them. Faith. Uh, Satan filled the heart of Ananias and Sapphira. And so while Satan was filling their heart of two believers, by the way, that's a little scary. Did you know you could be saying something good and say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and just in the same conversation say, And by the way, you're not going to the cross. And Christ could say, Satan has filled your heart, Peter, to lie. You, Peter, you don't know what you're saying. I just said to you the Christ, their God had you say that. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. And two sentences later, and by the way, you're not going to the cross. Be careful that Satan doesn't fill your mouth with something that's not true. And fill your heart in a moment to lie in the matter of giving as Ananias and Sapphira did. So that to be filled is to be controlled or influenced by the Holy Spirit. He's in control is what you want. So, uh, you're no longer in control. You've turned over the control of your life, your mouth, your walk, to the Holy Spirit. Because you're yielding to Him. You're passive in the sense you're yielding. Here, I'm dependent on you to control my life. And... I give examples of spirit-filled people. Christ was filled with the Spirit when he was led into the wilderness to be tried of the devil. If he had to depend on the Spirit, how much more us? Stephen and the early deacons, they were picked because they were known as men full of the Holy Spirit. Acts 6. That's a good thing. Uh, When we pick leadership in the church, the saints ought to be able to say, he's a spirit-filled brother. The Spirit controls him. Peter, full of the Holy Spirit. Repeated fillings, if you study the life of Peter and Acts. One time after another, he was filled, he was filled, he was filled. The day of Pentecost wasn't the only filling. It just kept going on. Paul, the church, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came in the upper room and they were filled with the Spirit and staggered out of that upper room like drunk men. They were so intoxicated on God. Remarkable. That'd be kind of nice someday to see you folks stagger out of the building. Just intoxicated on God. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And then send out the police to arrest us because we've got a drunk service going on. Say, no, no, we're just high on God. He ought to be better than any drug. You see, spirit filling is like you being an animated glove. Think of yourself as a glove. A glove is ready to do the work. It's made to do the work. But until another hand is put inside that glove, you can't do anything with it. You gotta have a hand inside the glove to do the work. And we are to be that yielded glove to the Spirit of God, to be yielded tools in His weapons And that he just puts his hand down there and says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to infuse my strength. And my hand is going to wield you to do my will and good pleasure. And so people look at us and they say, oh, what power they have or what gifts they have. And we want to just yell out, I'm but the glove. The gifts are his. The power is his. The enablement is his. There's another hand wielding my life. I only yield to that hand, and when I don't yield, the hand is removed from direction. He's still present, but he doesn't get to control the glove. You want to be as yielded to God as an old leather glove that you do your gardening with. And unless the hand of the gardener's in it, nothing will be done of any value.
0: And this is truth. For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Thank you for joining us today. It's our prayer that our time together here on Truth For Today encourages you in your walk and relationship with Christ. As we close out our broadcast, we would also like to invite you to contact us if you have a question about the broadcast, a prayer request. Maybe you'd like to order a copy of today's broadcast. We do have them available. Simply contact us and let us know of your interest. You can reach us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. You are also welcome to write to us. Our address is 1511 M Sycamore Avenue. We're here at Suite 278, Hercules, California. Zip code is 94547. Now, another way to contact us and learn more about us would be to visit our website, valleybible.org. It's there that we have all kinds of information about who we are, what we believe, directions to the church, service times. And we also have a lot of resource material stored there as well. Simply go to valleybible.org and spend some time exploring our website, finding out about us a bit more. If you would like to become a TFT sustainer, we would love to hear from you. This broadcast is aired daily here on KFAX as we are able to partner with you, our listeners, financially. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once a year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil. Our weekly video devotional is available to you as well. And again, it's all as a TFT sustainer. When you contact us with your gift of any amount, we'll sign you up. 855-833-9864 or valleybible.org or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. And the zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless.